Once again, it's so good to have everybody here today. We have uh, two weeks left in our series, Finish Line Faith, from the, the book of 2 Timothy. And uh, our topic today, really, to be honest, is not that fun uh, of a topic to talk about, but it's a, it's a very important topic because it's something that, that can completely derail, derail, there we go, our faith as, as we go along on our, our spiritual journeys. So, Remember the background. Paul was in prison. He's given his longtime student and friend some uh, kind of last lessons and, and advice in the letter that we call Second Timothy. Uh, really, just called Second Timothy because it's the second letter uh, that um, Paul wrote to Timothy. Uh, Timothy was the minister at the church in Ephesus. There were some difficult things to deal with in that church, to be honest. And, and we've talked about throughout this series that, that Paul didn't want Timothy to just kind of limp through his life you know, to the end, okay? he, or the church. And so he wanted them to live strong throughout their lives for Christ. Um, and Paul knew that one of the quickest ways that Timothy might derail his own faith in the church overall was through getting kind of pulled down by sin. And, and that can happen so easily. And since sin has a, a tendency to just kind of suck you in, and it doesn't let you go. Um, have you ever stepped into a, an older pond that kind of has a lot of muck in the bottom of it, and, and, and you just sink into it? Uh, last year, our, our pond back here um, behind our house, I, I got too close to the edge, and I sunk down in, and I pulled my foot out, and my shoe stayed down in there. Then I had to try to dig that out, and, and, and that's just kind of what happens. I've, I've told this story before, but when I was really little, my, my cousin Matt and I, I grew up with my cousin. We were born a week apart. Um, I lived in the country. Um, we had a pond down the hill through the trees, and so you really couldn't see the pond from the house. And and uh, we could go outside and wander around and do those things, but we weren't supposed to go down to the pond without an adult with us. And so, uh, of course, we had to do that one time. <laughs> so we went down there, and we saw some minnows in the water, and and we thought, hey, we got to try to catch these minnows. And so we kind of both got into the pond, and we both sunk in, and we were stuck. We, we couldn't get out. And so then we were getting scared and start crying and things, and and so it wasn't very long before my mom figured out we, we weren't around. And so she came down and got us out. And uh, uh, I think I, she was, you know, the, one of those hug things and then spank things at the, <laughs> at the same time, pretty much. But, um, but we were stuck in the mud. I, I heard a, a story um, that just happened recently in, in a suburb of St. Louis where this guy had a a pet parrot and he walks around the neighborhood with that parrot on his shoulder and the parrot will kind of fly around and then come back well they had dredged a, a pond recently in that neighborhood and and so the parrot flew down into and got on the mud and got stuck and so you know it's just his parrot he's got to go get his bird so he goes out and tries to get the his parrot out and he gets stuck too in the mud and so they had to call the fire department and kind of lay a ladder across there and and get him out and so finally they were able to do that um but that's that's kind of what happens with sin it, it's like that too it you, you kind of gradually go into it but then it just tends to suck you in and and, and you're stuck in it and so Paul gives Timothy some warnings and, and, and things to kind of watch out for to keep this from happening, some things to be aware of. But I think what many of us have a tendency to do in real life is to think, 
either consciously or subconsciously, that warnings are for other people, right? This applies to other people. They don't really apply to us because we have it under control, right? Uh, you think about different um, things that that can happen in real life. For example, if you go to an ocean, some oceans have a really bad undercurrent. And, and uh, if you get out in them, it just will pull you out to sea until you, you know, you're in trouble. And, and some beaches have kind of warning system. Maybe a white or green is okay, yellow is caution, and red is, you know, don't go out into the water. And, and you know, periodically people think, well, I'll be fine. Well, we don't go out very far, and they get pulled out, and they're in trouble. And that happens. Or, or, you know, we're always told don't drive through water, right? Okay. Um, but there's always people that think, oh, it's probably not that bad. And, and you know, it'd be inconvenient to go, stop and go around. And, and so, you know, at times people get into trouble because the, the water just kind of pulls their car away. Um, that's what happens with sin. Okay. We, we think we can handle it. Or, or we have it under control, or, or we, we look at you know, someone else and, and think, oh, this is about them, and, and we have these blind spots. And so uh, as we begin today, I was going to just see if we could pray a couple prayers out loud together, uh, because the, even the tendency as I talk today about sin, uh, all of us start to think about other people, Yeah, I hope so-and-so is listening to that, right? And so I want us to... Ask God, you know, what, what are you saying to me? So the first one is, Lord, reveal my blind spots. So if you're willing to kind of pray that prayer, will you say that with me? Lord, reveal my blind spots. Okay, and then one more thing. Let's go to the next one. Uh, Lord, hear me, help me hear what you have to say to me today. Okay, so this is the part about, this is about me, not somebody else. So if you are willing, say that with me. Lord, help me hear what you have to say to me today. Okay. Um, so let's see what Paul says to Timothy about how to handle potential sin. We're in chapter 2 right now, and this is verse 22 and 23. Here's what he says. Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know they produce quarrels. And so how do you handle sin? Paul very simply says, you, you run from it, right? You, you get away from it, you flee. There was a, a man, he came to an old country doctor and said, Doc, I, I broke my arm in two places, what should I do? And the old doctor said, well, you ought to stay out of them places. <laughs> Some of you are processing. Okay. So, you know, Paul is telling Timothy to kind of stay away from the things or the places that where a, a spiritual fall might occur. Uh, for example, one of the biggest areas of sin, pretty much since sin entered the world, is sexual sin. And remember Ephesus, you know, where Timothy was, is a very prosperous Roman city, and sexual sin was, was rampant there. And uh, there were certain streets that, that a young single man should probably just avoid altogether. And, and the, there's the Temple of Artemis, the fertility, fertility goddess, and, and it probably included temple prostitutes. And then archaeologists have uh, uncovered directly across from the courtyard of the city library was the town brothel. 
And in fact, engravings in the marble street pavement showed the way to the brothel. Okay, it's this way. And, and Paul's saying, Timothy, you know, man, just avoid these kind of places. They'll only harm you. Kind of like Joseph in Genesis 39, when Potiphar's wife, remember, she just kept making advances towards him. And, and finally, he just had to leave his cloak and just get out of there, right? He just, he fled. Some of you may have heard that Bill Hybels, he's the pastor of, was the pastor of Willow Creek Church in Chicago. It's one of the largest churches in America. He had to step down amidst allegations from several women of unwanted sexual advances. And then just last week, the next two highest staff members and, and all of the board of the church stepped down because basically they admitted they did kind of a sham of an investigation a couple of years ago when these allegations first came out. And so it's been a sad thing because, you know, Bill was a great leader. He did a lot, a lot of great things for the kingdom. But this sin just kind of derailed him in, in his ministry. And, and, and there's going to be a lot of damage done uh, to that church because of that. He did not flee from it. The truth of the matter is that no matter what kind of sin it is, whether it's sexual sin or any other kind of sin you struggle with, when, when we play around with the temptation for too long, you, eventually you're, you're going to have some weak moments and succumb to it. Okay, you can't just kind of keep dangling your toes in it and, and think, I'll be okay. I, I can handle this. One preacher put it this way, if we hesitate, we contemplate. If we contemplate, we negotiate. If we negotiate, we participate. If we participate, we devastate. And so I, I kind of feel like I should preach that in a kind of a certain way, like, if we hesitate, we contemplate. If we contemplate, we negotiate. If we negotiate, we participate. If we participate, we devastate. Amen? <laughs> um, but we need to flee. Uh, that's what it's saying. You know, if we're, if we're going to dangle our toes in it, eventually it's going to hurt us. And, and we need to flee either physically or symbolically. And, and often we need to just get away. From the temptation. The, the Greek word for, for flee in, in 2.22, it's where we, we get our English word fugitive. Uh, one of my favorite movies of all times is, is The Fugitive. Anybody, you remember that movie? Harrison Ford. And Ford was a doctor and, and he had, had falsely been accused of murder and uh, he was found guilty. He was in prison. And one time they were transporting prisoners and uh, there was kind of a revolt, and the bus crashed, and, and then uh, it almost got hit by a train, and, and uh, Harrison Ford just barely got out of there, and the rest of the movie is about him kind of being on the run, and, and he was kind of trying to prove his innocence along the way without getting caught, and so he was a fugitive, okay? He, he was on the run, and Paul's saying we must run from sin like a hunted man. That, that's how serious it is. It's that urgent. And so first of all, we need to run from sin. And then just so Timothy is clear about what kinds of things he's talking about, he, he gives, Paul gives him kind of a specific list of things to, to watch out for. And I, and I don't think it's an exhaustive list, but it's a pretty extensive list. And so see if any of this sounds familiar to areas you might struggle with. And remember our prayer a little bit ago too, okay? All right, so this is 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. But mark this, 
There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. Okay, first of all, he said, in the last days. Okay, when's that? Uh, I believe that he's referring to the time that Jesus was on this earth until the time when Jesus comes back again. So the, the last days had already started when Paul wrote this letter. We're still in the last days today. Okay, and so Paul's saying, he's saying, watch out for these kind of people. Ethel, um, she sat beside her dying husband's bed. Ethel, said Ray, you're, you're always, you've always been by my side. When we're poor, newlyweds, you were there. When I broke my leg, you were there. When I lost my job in 72, you were there. When the fire destroyed our house in 87, you were there. Do you remember when I was in a car wreck? You were there. No matter what difficulty came our way, you were always there. And Ray looked up at his wife with tears in his eyes. You know something, Ethel? You're bad luck. (laughs) I don't think that's exactly what Paul is saying here about being around the wrong kind of people, but uh, there are people that that can drag you down. And we talk a lot about that when our our kids are younger, being around the right people, but I think as adults it happens too. We we can be uh, around the wrong people as adults, but, but also... I want us to kind of keep coming back to ourselves, too. It isn't just about other people. It's about us. And so let's quickly just kind of break down this list. Let's go through it quickly. He said, lovers of themselves. Okay, self is is celebrated in our culture today. Okay, we're all about self-promotion. Look at me. Paul says, no, that's not a good thing. Lovers of money. We don't have a problem at all with that in our country, do we? Yeah, we do. Boastful kind of refer, related to lovers of themselves. We like to kind of build ourselves up. Uh, proud, uh, they kind of puff up their chests a little bit too much. Abusive, okay, there, there are many different kinds of abuse, uh, whether it's physical or emotional. Uh, disobedient to their parents was on the list. Kids, are you listening to that one? Okay. Ungrateful. It's hard to be around people who are ungrateful, isn't it? Just people are always kind of complaining. So we need to make sure we're not one of those people. Unholy. You know, some people are just, I don't know, just kind of filthy (laughs) to be around. And it's easy to kind of get pulled down on this one. Without love is on the list. And as you know, I talk about love all the time. 1 Corinthians 13.2 says, If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I'm nothing. Unforgiving? Hmm. Anybody ever struggle with that one? Slanderous? Okay, one version translated malicious gossips. Okay, do, do you say things about other people that aren't true or you, or you stretch the truth about them to, to make them look bad without self-control? Okay, that one hits most of us at times. 
brutal. There's another translation calls it cruel. Okay, some people are just kind of they're plain mean. So, and you can't. That's all there is to it. Just they're mean. So don't be mean. I've known some mean Christians. So we we don't want to be mean Christians, right? That drives me crazy. Be nice. Uh, not lovers of the good. Okay, do you want good things to happen? Do you want good things for other people? Treacherous. Um, the the Greek word for this basically means that they will turn against you. You know, I used to tell my daughter that if people were talking to you about other people uh, when you weren't with them, you can be sure that they are going to talk about you too. Rash. They they make decisions without considering the consequences. Uh, conceited. It's kind of that attitude that, you know, I'm just a little bit better than other people. Uh, kind of the nose goes up in the air a little bit. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Okay, that kind of really more about myself having fun first and then maybe God second or third down the list. Um, having a form of godliness but denying its power. I think a lot of people have this. Yeah, I, I believe in God, but it doesn't really change my life anyway. So altogether, it's a list of 16 different areas to watch out for. If you have this list perfectly taken care of, I, I want your autograph later, okay? Um, but more likely, you need to be a little more honest with yourself. Okay, so um, Paul says, says run from these things. Run from them, flee from them, get away from them. But when you run... This is our kind of next thing we want to talk about. You're not just running away from something. We need to run to something. Okay? So the, the solution, how can we do this and be successful over time, is that we need to flee from the wrong things and pursue the right things. Okay? It's not just getting away from bad stuff. You need to get, go to good stuff. And In our first passage today, Paul said to pursue, there's a list. Okay? Righteousness, faith, love, and peace. And, and pursue those who call on the Lord with a pure heart. And, and then Paul said actually something very similar to this. If you go back to the first letter that he wrote to Timothy. So this must be important because he said this in both letters. First Timothy 6, 11 and 12. Let me read that. But you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So he's saying, keep fighting, Timothy. Okay, it's a, it's a fight. It is a battle, but it's a good fight. It's a fight worth fighting and sticking with. So we had righteousness, faith, and love. They made both lists. And in the first letter, he also had godliness, endurance, gentleness, and a pure heart. And so... Once again, the overall idea is to get rid of the bad things in your life, fill the void with good things. Randy Alcorn writes this, Our minds are not vacuums. They will be filled with something. Impure thoughts are pushed out by pure thoughts. Okay, so you're, you're getting rid of the bad and getting rid of good and getting good. There's a question I think we should ask ourselves. Are we actively engaging and in, in developing the, the character of Jesus in our lives? So are, are we running after the things of Christ? Uh, the word for pursue that we had here, it's most often translated as persecute in the New Testament, believe it or not. And it literally means to kind of hunt down with a vengeance. OK, 
Okay, are, are you hunting down good things? You're looking for the good things. So, so let's quickly work down the good list now. Okay, it's, it's like the naughty and nice list at Christmas time. Okay, this is the, the nice list. This is a good list. So righteousness is the first one. Well, what is righteousness? Um, it's basically the idea of being counted right before God. Okay, none of us can be right actually uh, with God on our own, but through Jesus we can be counted on as, as righteous. And so pursuing righteousness has kind of the idea of living up to what God has already done for you. Does that make sense? It's like a coach who he sets the bar extra high for an athlete because he thinks, man, they are a really good athlete. I think they can, they can do it up. They might think they're only here, but the coach says, I think you can be up here. And so with righteousness, it's like you are, God has made you righteous. He's counted you as righteous. Now, now we need to live like it. And act like it. And then godliness. In the New Testament, godliness is the idea that the person has kind of restructured their life around Jesus and is living their life as a disciple of Jesus instead of living their life for themselves, selfishly. Um, faith. You know, are you pursuing your faith? Is your faith growing or is it kind of flatlined? Love. Okay, we, we talked about the other side of this one. Are, are you seeking to love God and love others? Peace. Are you pursuing peace or are you breaking peace? I think you're either you're a peacemaker or a peacebreaker. And so which is it? Endurance. You know, Paul talks a lot about living a life of endurance for Christ, being, being in it for the long haul. There's gentleness. I think it's interesting that he includes gentleness as a word there, there's just something about someone who has a gentle spirit okay that paul even listed as one of the requirements for somebody in a leadership position in first timothy one and it's considered a mark of spiritual maturity so gentleness and then pursue those who call on the lord with a pure heart okay look for good examples to, to model your own life and your faith after. And George and Linda Lawrence are no longer with us, but we can look back at their lives and see so many things that we can model our own lives after. And, and so many people shared stories with me about the kind of the way they lived out their faith, and it, it's inspiring. Let me ask you guys something. Do you, do you ever kind of do a a check on your spiritual progress, you know, kind of how am I doing? Am I growing? You know, when my, my kids were pretty young, we had a, an unfinished basement and there were steps going down to the basement. And on the side of those steps, we would uh, mark how tall they were and put their, you know, the date of that. And it would gradually, you could see how they grew over the years. I'm sure a lot of you do that. Um, and, and it's fun to look back and see how much they'd grown. Spiritual growth, it's probably a little harder to measure. You can't just like, you know, put a line on a wall and say, I'm, I'm there. Um, but I think we should try to periodically kind of evaluate, how am I doing? You know, if I think about looking last year at this time, have I, have I grown in my faith? Or, or maybe you need to have somebody that you trust and you can ask them, and, and do you think I'm doing better in this area? You know, it, it, am I being more loving in my relationships? Am I, am I practicing self-control? Can you, can you see a difference? 
You know, are, are you, am I doing better in my just kind of the specific area of, of struggle that I have? And so be honest with yourself. You know, are you? Are you, are you growing in that area? Can you look back and see one year ago or five years ago or ten years ago? And sometimes it is hard to see yourself. So, so ask some, some people you trust and, and encourage them to be honest with you. Because let, let me just say this, spiritual growth doesn't just happen automatically. That's why Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 3.2, I had to feed you with milk, not with solid food, because you weren't ready for anything stronger, and you still aren't ready. He, he was frustrated. They weren't growing like they should have been growing. And he's like, man, you guys, you should be here, but you're still there. We have to keep working on our faith. Our, our, our faith is not a, a one and done thing. Okay, I'm a Christian now. I'm good to go. Let's go. Oh, it's, we need to kind of exercise our, our spiritual muscles. Now, before I finish, let, let me just share a, a quick word about God's forgiveness. Because I, all of this, to be honest, I think can be a little overwhelming. And, and you might think, I, I don't know if I, I can do this. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm frustrated. I think God is probably ready to give up on me. And so let me, let me just say that God is not demanding perfection. And, and let me also say that if you are stuck in sin now, or, or when you make mistakes along the way, all is not lost. Okay, there is forgiveness of sin. There may be consequences but there is a promise of forgiveness. And, and I think, you know, many people, they get overwhelmed with their sin struggles and they, they get to the, the point where they just think, surely God's going to reject me. There's no way He can forgive me again. But God knows our repentant hearts and, and He has promised in His Word to forgive us. And, and I go back to this verse a lot, but First John 1, nine says, if we confess our sins... He's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So, so keep that in mind as you go through your faith journey. God wants to go along with you. But that doesn't mean that we, we shouldn't do everything we can possibly with God helping us to, to run from sin. To try to minimize sin. And, and we need to listen to the, the, the Spirit inside of us and, and what it's saying to us about the sin in our lives and, and just keep giving those things over to God daily. Just saying, God, take this. Help me. But we need to take sin seriously. Not gloss over it or, or minimize it or let the world say what it is. So, Ooh. So here's the worm. Would you eat it? The answer is no, Trey. I would not eat it. Okay. We'll talk later. Okay.
I love these things. I need to eat one. <laughs> so now, would you eat the worm? Okay. Answer still no, Trey. <laughs> you know what? It's easy to sometimes disguise our sin. And we kind of put, this is obviously a silly illustration, but it's easy to do that. And so let's not sugarcoat our sin. Let's run away from sin. Let's pursue God. Don't cover it up. Run from sin. Pursue God with all of your heart. Run from sin. Pursue the right things. Sound good? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, first of all, we're so thankful for your promises of forgiveness. And all of us make mistakes and we fail you. We're so sorry for that, Lord. But I pray that that you'll just help each of us. Whatever our areas of struggle are, that we will just continue to work on those and give them over to you and that you will um, just do a work in our lives where we can see just progress and that we're, we're, we're fleeing from that stuff, getting rid of those things and, and pursuing the things that, that will just draw us closer to you. Thank you for being patient with us, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen.